So the second principle as we move on from the breath and body is, as you might have guessed from the meditations, feelings. What the Buddha called Vedana. And um, feelings are very, very, very important to the Buddha. In one sutta called the Mula Sutta, the Buddha said that everything in life, all experience, takes its shape, its basic emotional or its resonance, everything that we relate to takes its basic form in, in our feelings, our gut feelings. In a, probably the singular, singularly most important teaching of the Buddha, known as the Paticca Samuppada, which is the chain of suffering in life, the Buddha said that before we have thoughts or emotions, we have gut feelings, which are just basic body states that tell us whether we're comfortable and happy with what's going on in any given moment, or whether we are uncomfortable and want what we're experiencing to stop. And then the third possibility is, I don't care. And when we're in the I don't care mode, where we don't really care about what's going on in the world around us or what we're experiencing, we generally then get lost in thought. When we're in neutral feelings, we generally tend to say, well, nothing much important is going on, so I'm just going to drift away and think about myself and what other people think about me and, and all that fun stuff. So, um, uh, Vedana, or gut feelings, I'm not going to talk tonight about too many clinical studies. If you're interested in the absolutely foundationally important role that your gut feelings or intuition plays in the decisions you make in life, uh, there's so many books I would recommend because I am, after all, a complete geek. Um, when I formed this group with Noah uh, back in 2002, I wanted it almost to be called Dharma Geeks because that's... <laughs> what I am, in addition to being a Dharma punk, but uh, Dharma punks won out. So, uh, but um, there are wonderful books. Uh, one that's really fun to read is by Malcolm Gladwell called Blink, which talks about the, the role that uh, fast neural circuits known as uh, intuition play in the decisions and choices we make. Daniel Kahneman wrote uh, The Fast and Slow Circuits of the Brain. Um, there's a book by Gert something or other, some Danish neuroscientist called Gut Feelings, which I read, and that was terrific. But by, and the, my favorite, though, is by the award-winning neuroscientist Antonio Damasio, who is probably the world's most important neuroscientist, and he spent a lot of his life talking about the role that emotion, uh, physical feelings play in all of the decisions we make. He uses a term that's far less elegant than feelings. He calls our feelings somatic markers. It's just your feelings. You don't have to learn that. You don't have to tell your friends. So what is your somatic markers about what we're eating tonight going to be? But uh, somatic markers are essentially the message is that your midbrain that is entirely pre-conscious, i.e. it happens before thought, 
it signals to you very old associations and very old learnings that affect how you experience each moment of your life. So to give you a, an example, if in, I use this example far too often, I'm too lazy to come up with another example, which would really behoove me because the same <laughs> examples are in talks year in and year out, but if you're if you were in third grade and a teacher who had a beard and a cardigan gave you a sudden test and you were caught off guard, uh, later on in life when you meet someone with a beard and a cardigan, your body will send, contract and will send a negative feeling saying, I don't like what's going on. Now, of course, people wearing beards, and well, not wearing, people have beards, <laughs> people wearing cardigans and with beards, they are untrustworthy. No, they're not. They're, <laughs> they're really not. <laughs> Maybe a little, yeah, a little, some of them are. You in particular. <laughs> a lot of feelings can be based on completely old experiences uh, that no longer apply. But sometimes, of course, on the other hand, feelings are very, very accurate. If you've worked your entire life as a uh, uh, surgeon and you're operating on someone, you don't think about the big important decisions that you have to make. You trust your gut because all of the previous operations and experience you have will be uh, expressed through your gut. If you are somebody who's driven to work uh, thousands of times and you're making a decision which way to drive, you'll go by intuition and that will register all the unconscious information you've picked up. So in areas of life, if you're a financial analyst and you're making important decisions uh, about finances, I suppose, you're, you've crunched a lot of numbers, but still you have to you have to make a decision, you will, your sum of life's experiences will express themselves not in language or thought, but literally in feeling states in the body. In Antonio Damasio's work, he showed that experienced card players know when to hold or when to fold. <laughs> <laughs> as a awful song goes. Uh, but apparently you know when to hold and know when to fold, not by thinking or counting cards or any of that stuff, but actually the most efficient way is actually just by gut feelings. Experienced card players trust their gut because they read so many variables, the other players, the, um, the cards that they have, uh, all the signs and tells and, and, and stuff like that, but there's no way they can logically figure out. So gut feelings are an extremely efficient way that pre-conscious neural circuits essentially pre-calculate and give you input on what to do in your life, and they express themselves um, by feelings in the body. Now, if the first foundation of mindfulness is the breath and body states, and the, the first foundation is controlled by the oldest parts of the brain, the, um, the brain stem, the medulla, uh, basal ganglia, and now with 
feelings were moving up to what's called the midbrain and the, the limbic structures, what used to be called limbic structures, the amygdala, hypothalamus. And these are very, these are subcortical. They're not left or right hemispheric, but they're still much smarter than the parts of the brain. They can hold memories, lots of different memories, associations of good experiences and bad experiences. They hold all this information from your past, which they lump into good, safe, bad, unsafe, and I don't care, neutral. And then throughout your life, as you encounter each new experience in your life, your midbrain is sending you messages saying, I like what's going on because based on past experiences, I'm feeling very confident. Or your body is, is expressing messages from the midbrain saying, I don't like what's going on. In the past, when I was in this situation, I didn't get my needs met, and so forth. So it's a shortcut. It's there all the time. And the problem is that most of us are completely unaware of how much our decisions are made by Vedana. And we don't know when it's appropriate to trust our feelings and when it's not appropriate to trust your feelings. Sometimes in life we get into a lot of trouble because we don't trust our, our, our intuition and we override it and we regret it. And then other times in life we follow our gut and it leads us into equally damaging situations. So for example, um, if you are in a situation in life where you've attained a great deal of experience and somebody says, oh, but this project is really important, you know, really, really, real, a lot of money's at stake, and then you start to doubt your intuition and you start to overthink it. It's like a tennis player who's, you ask them how they do their backhand, you'll really screw them over because they can't afford to think about it, they just have to know. I don't know what the hell, it, uh, that's not even a backhand. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the first thing about tennis, you know, what, whatever. They, if you ask somebody to make a, con, you know, to become conscious about stuff that they, uh, as one uh, great uh, theorist um, said, uh, Gregory Bateson, uh, routines, feelings, uh, implicit behaviors, they're essentially very economically impacted, you know, uh, processes that save us a lot of time. So if you're really good at what you do, and you're a painter and you're painting and then somebody says, why did you use yellow over there? And you'll get screwed up because you're not, you can't paint by explaining, explaining it logically. It's using up all the, the subcortical processes in your brain and emotions as well to paint something. So in certain situations, it's very important that you not screw with your intuition. But then there's other times in life where intuition actually traps us. For, for example, if you grow up in a family where there's not a lot of emotional mirroring, not a lot of love, not a lot of care, where love is something you had to chase after, you had to chase after attention, then when you meet somebody who's very much like that in your adult life, your gut feelings will be, oh yeah, I know this really well. And it'll say, I'm excited by this. So your gut feelings in that situation can lead you to pursue somebody that will simply reproduce 
early childhood abandonments. So we don't want that, do we? So we want to be able to, in life, know what our intuition is telling us and over time be able to discern which situations in life it's safe to trust our gut and which situations in life it's not safe <coughs> to trust our gut. Some people, for example, if they trust their intuition, will eat terrible comfort foods simply because their hypothalamus will activate and they feel a lot of stress or a lot of lack of love in their life and they associate food with care and nurturing and so when they see a donut they'll crave after it and they they will feel lots of positive um, feelings about donuts and so in that person's situation they have to learn to override their gut feelings when it comes to how they eat but other people can trust their gut when it comes to making decisions. You know, what do you want to have? The tempeh or the scrambled tofu, you know? <laughs> yes, I'll have the tempeh. And they say that with confidence and they're okay, so they don't have any issues in that domain. It's, re it's really up to where in life you have a lot of previous uh, destabilizing experiences which can create bad neural circuits or faulty neural circuits which can create lots of misleading uh, feelings or gut influences. Um, perhaps the most notorious example of this is obsessive compulsive disorder where the striatum which is a very fundamentally important part of the brain that contributes to gut feelings when people have OCD they basically get gut feelings and messages that really terrible things will happen unless they wash their hands 13 times or clean up, you know, excessively. So it's, again, faulty circuits can lead us to uh, get stuck in very bad routines. Um, the key, very often, with faulty feelings or faulty intuition is based on early experiences. For example, uh, when I was a kid, I remember my mother bringing me to see a friend of hers, and her friend had this big cat who, when I tried to pet it, you know, scratched me. And so for a number of years, and even as a, a strapping team, well, I was never strapping anything. I don't know where I come up with that. I'm a neurotic New York Jew. I don't do strapping. <laughs> Strapping's biologically impossible for me. <laughs> so anyway, I was attacked by a cat, and I had a, a, so a negative association with cats. So when I would see a cat, I'd get the feelings would be uncomfortable, fear, get away. So for years, I had a, a faulty association that cats were dangerous. So I had to, through uh, exposure, you know, get closer and closer, and eventually now I have nothing but cats. <laughs> I have so many cats. But, uh, <laughs> no, I have only two. I'm not a cat lady, but I, uh, or a cat man. I'm just a, uh, I don't want to make that sound too sad. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, and so the, so of course, early experiences can create skewed intuition. Um, 
that also was responsible for learned helplessness, the story of the, we've all heard of uh, elephants that as babies have been separated from their, uh, cruelly separated from their families and raised to perform in circuses or in commercial enterprises and they'll put a chain around the baby elephant's leg and at first the, the elephant is too small to pull the stake that the chain is attached to out of the ground and then as the elephant grows to adult size it no longer tries even though it could very easily remove the stake. It's learned its helplessness and very often our feelings, our gut feelings that tell us to be frightened in social situations tell us that other people won't meet our needs, tell us to be anxious, uh, are essentially learned helplessness. In early childhood, we were with in family systems or social situations in schools where we weren't particularly well loved or tolerated, and so we developed negative associations with social encounters, and then as adults, we start to feel negative intuition and will avoid the things that we negatively, we associate with negative experiences from the past. Likewise, food, sugar, drugs, alcohol, TV, all of those, those um, experiences can be positive associations. In our past, when we were children, we felt unloved and we found solace with the TV watching Star Trek well, I'm talking about myself here, but what the hell. Uh, or, you know, we felt solace by eating yodels or good and plenty or whatever food, Mars bars, and that made us feel loved and taken care of. So the things that we associate positively will create really, really strong, warm uh, uh, feelings of craving in the body, and that will push us towards consuming more. So if you haven't gotten it by now, uh, feelings play an enormously influential role in all addictive behaviors. In fact, one of the keys to working with addiction is to get people to be able to observe and hold their feelings without acting out on them. Feelings are not facts. Feelings will pass. That's some of the most basic statements in 12-step literature, getting people to become aware of the feelings that are going on and notice them arising and then notice them passing. That's, if I could summarize the Buddhist, the Buddha's insight of the second foundation of mindfulness, it is after you develop awareness of your breath and your body, next to ask yourself, what am I feeling right now? Am I feeling good and comfortable about what's happening? Or am I feeling negative, stressful, a desire for what I'm experiencing to stop? Or am I having no feeling states whatsoever? It's important to notice these things because these are very, very influential in the decisions that we all make. And they lead us to all the repetitious patterns and routines and bad habits. And if we want to be able to stop a lot of the bad habits and a lot of the negative routines in life, we have to start with awareness of feelings. There was a wonderful story that I quote a lot of Sumedho with this woman 
who was addicted to eating donuts before she went to work because she had a job that she wasn't happy about and she felt unappreciated and she said to Ajahn Sumedho, great Buddhist monk, um, I've come up with a way of dealing with my cravings for donuts. I simply walk a different way to work each time so I don't have to see the donut shop and therefore I don't eat the donuts. And Sumedho said, yeah, but then you're just going to find something else something else to addictive that will soothe you. It won't address the core problem. What I'd like you to do is instead walk to work, stand in front of the donut shop, and the first day spend a minute just feeling the physical somatic cravings in your body telling you I have to eat this. And then if you do need to eat the donut, do eat it. But the next day, go there and spend two minutes and then the day following three minutes and four minutes until you can be with the feelings and know that they will pass and not be driven around by them. If we always act by our feelings, our intuitions, our gut states, we have no free will. Free will means that we have a choice. To have a choice in life we have to be able to override sometimes our gut feelings and we have to be able to ask ourselves okay what is I know that I can eat this donut but I can also sit here feel the craving and then decide once the craving is over do I still want to eat it do I still want to buy this iPad do I still want to tell off this person who I find irritating do I still want to uh, you know, buy this expensive commodity, do I still want to, etc., etc., etc. When we hold uh, feelings and observe them, and we get their input, and then we let them pass, then we can consider other things, long-term ramifications, whether what the emotional associations are, we can ask for advice from other people. Now, you won't necessarily want to ask a friend whether you should eat a donut or not, but in other life decisions, we very often let our gut feelings push us around, and we don't ha allow us to be develop the patience and the tolerance to override what our feelings are indicating. So the Buddha said, the key with the second foundation is very simple. This is quoting the Buddha, when experiencing a pleasant feeling, no, I am experiencing a pleasant feeling. When experiencing a painful feeling, no, I am experiencing a painful feeling. And when experiencing a neutral feeling, no, guess what that is. <laughs> no, I am experiencing a neutral feeling. S simply stay detached and observe. So there's a couple of ways we can work with feelings, especially very powerful feelings that push us around, that lead to addictions or to avoidance copings, such as social anxieties, which are all very much uh, implicated with uh, gut feelings. The first is to turn towards the body sensations, know where you feel both good and and negative feelings in the body. For me, it's largely in my belly and in my shoulders. Other people, it might be more 
mental. Some people it might be in a locked jaw when they feel negative feelings or relaxed sensations behind the eyes. So get to know where you feel your feelings, your impulses, your intuitions, where you get your gut feelings. Know that. And then when gut feelings arise, get into the habit of simply greeting them with, yes, this is what's happening right now. Yes, right now I'm feeling uncomfortable. Or yes, right now I'm feeling a strong desire. Yes. So greet every feeling. The third is to develop a lot of ease around feelings. If you're having negative feelings, like the negative anxious feelings that some people who have social anxieties feel when they're put on the spot, where they, they're asked to talk in public, where they're uh, in a group of people they don't know very well and they shut down, to find the negative feelings wherever they are and then relax every other part of the body beside the feelings. You don't want to relax the feelings. You want to allow them to be there, but relax around the feelings. So if you hold your feelings in your stomach, relax the face, the shoulders, the arms, the legs. So you're creating a safe container to hold the feelings. Relax the body, nice long out-breaths, and then just be with the negative anxiety and soothe it. I see you, I feel you, I know I'm anxious, it's okay. Lots of kind messages. Don't act out on its behalf, don't push it away, just be with it. If you have negative feelings arising in the body, simply keep your mind as open and spacious as you can. Hearing the sounds, feeling the, the rest of the body, all the sights, everything. Keep as much awareness while you're also aware of the feelings. That will create enough of a buffer that you can be with very, very strong feelings. The more we learn to develop tolerance, observation, kindness, nurturing towards our feelings without having them dictate all the time how we perceive, the more we will find that we have a greater range of choices in our life and the more we can overcome or at least work with addictive routines. Again, the key is to also discern where in life you can trust your feelings, which is generally things that you know very well that in the past you've seen you can be confident, work, creative endeavors, but also know the situations in life where your feelings lead you towards unsatisfactory results and then develop a lot of awareness of feelings in those endeavors. If it's dating, if you got a bad picture, that's when you work with the feelings and you develop awareness. If it's choosing the wrong job, if it's uh, certain situations where you shut down, feeling awareness.